Hi, this is Patty, and thank you for listening to this previously recorded episode of GalaxyCon Live. We'd also like to invite you to check out our other shows, Rock Around the Ring, featuring music and wrestling guests, and GalaxyCon Talks Comics, all of which are available now on Facebook, YouTube, and anywhere else fine podcasts are available. Good evening, or good day to some of you out on the other side of the world. Welcome to our ongoing series here at GalaxyCon, where we are interviewing some very talented people from the types of fandom world. And today, I'm Patty Hawkins. Thank you for joining us. And I am joined by my co-host today. He's an amazing young man. He's also one of our moderators and hosts. He is an athlete and a podcaster. Please welcome Mr. Milo Beasley. Man, that's the best introduction I've ever had. I'm just going to carry you around everywhere I go and uh, make my introductions. Psst, that guy over there, that's my low beast. Yeah. I like that you called me a young man, too. Makes me feel good. Uh, my age, everybody's young. <laughs> How you doing today, man? I am doing good. Super, super stoked about this chat. Just got you know, settled in, so I'm ready to uh, ready to do this. Well, let's rev this up, please. By all means, uh, let's go ahead and introduce our first guest. He is a graduate of the Ringling uh, School of Design. He formerly worked for Hallmark. We'll talk a little bit about that because I've heard some of these stories. I've had the wonderful opportunity to host him several times at our live shows at GalaxyCon. Right now, he is the voice of Mickey Mouse himself. Let's please welcome Mr. Brett Iwin. Well, hi, everybody. How you doing? Good Ooh. to see you guys. You're allowed, you're allowed to do that? Ooh. Uh, you know. <laughs> Yeah, oh, once in a while. Once in a while. It's it's a new world, new rules, right? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Good to see you again, my friend. And uh, also you, joining... Uh, thank you. Also joining us, she is a fantastic actress of stage, screen, and animation, as we certainly well know. She's been a vital part of the Star Wars continuing mythology. Please welcome the, to our stage, Ashley Eckstein. Hi. Hi, everyone. Hi, Hi Ashley. Hi, Ashley. Hi, uh, it's a pleasure to meet you, Patty and Milo, and good to see you, Brett. Uh, I guess Ahsoka doesn't have like a an, like a hello, but she does say it's a new day, a new beginning. So Ooh, that, that's my that, hello. That's just yeah. as good. No, <laughs> I, think that, I think that pretty much wraps up the the world. We're, we're done. Like, All right, thank yeah. you. No, 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 I think that encapsulates the, the world that we're in right now, right? It's true. It's very, very appropriate for what we're going through. And and how are you guys doing? Is everyone healthy and are your families healthy? I'm doing well. I'm here in your old stomping grounds of Orlando. And yes, uh, Kathy and Jason would say hi. We may talk a little bit about your time here since what? it does involve Disney. Yeah, I know. <laughs> All that oh other fun my stuff. Gosh. So, oh my uh, gosh, well, two of my greatest friends. <laughs> absolutely. They, they speak tremendously of you. And I, of course, I had asked them, hey, uh, what, should, what should I know? What should I don't know? What's up? And Milo, of course, is on the other side of Orlando. Uh, how's things on your side of the map there, son? Uh, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm like 14 miles away from Walt Disney World. So it just pains me not to be able to go there every single day. And that's okay. We brought we brought no, Disney just... we brought Disney to us these days. So Brett, where are you? Uh, what what side well, of the continent? Are you I, I am in? the only one in this group, apparently on the other side of the country. So I'm I'm <laughs> at home in LA and doing well, safe, healthy, and occupying myself with way too many home projects, such as baking banana bread. Baking banana bread is. A, yes. I decided to join that trend just today. That was on a whim, but Ooh. otherwise, you know, landscaping, building, everything. 
Okay. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, if uh, Brett has to uh, take off, he will return. He just, he's told us the beloved of the show. He has a loaf of bread in the oven and we <laughs> don't want that bread to burn. No, stay tuned, everybody. We have 40 minutes and nine seconds and counting until the banana <laughs> bread is done. And Did you, you know thought... this is going to be a cooking show or a baking show? No. And you all and thought then... we weren't going to have any exclusives. All righty. <laughs> and uh, and how right? we you the banana bread when you're done? What's that? You want to look at we... it? Yes. So we get a review of it, right? Yeah, you take it out, show it. I mean, Milo, that tells me a lot, but we will see. That might have to be a follow-up episode. <laughs> check, we'll check, we'll check, see. Chekhov's gun, man. We talked about the banana bread. We're going to have to see it. Okay, all right. Okay. We'll, we'll see what we can do. All no right. And, and Ashley, what part of the world are, are you located in right now? So, uh, Brett is the only person that's not in Orlando right now because I'm actually in Orlando too. So I, I think that's so funny that we're we're all here. Sorry, Brett, you're the odd man out. No, I'm sad. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, er so everybody's in Orlando except the actual voice of Mickey Mouse. This is truly a day of great irony. Okay. <laughs> what I would love to do is is you both have some really fantastic careers. I'd like to get a little bit into how each of you got evolved and eventually fell into the greater Disney family, as it were. Ashley, since we are in Orlando and ladies first, Ashley, I'd love to start with you. You had a pretty good theater career here in Orlando and you were a cast member at one point, weren't you? Yes, yes, I was. And I actually have to give a shout out because my mom and dad are watching. From They're from Orlando as well. So hi, mom. Hi, dad. Hi, Ashley, uh, yeah. But um, it actually, that's where my story starts with my mom and dad. They, they came to Disney World for their honeymoon and uh, they loved it. And uh, they made a wish that uh, one day my dad would get a job for Disney World and that they would get to raise a family here in Orlando. And sure enough, that's what happened. We actually moved to Orlando when I was just 18 months old, and my dad got a job for Disney World. He was a meat and seafood buyer for Disney, and his claim to fame is actually he was part of the team that brought the turkey legs into Disney World. So, yes, yes. So we, we proudly proclaim that we're a, a turkey leg family. But <laughs> so, yes. would know. so he would know if the rumors are true then. Uh, uh, well, I can confirm that it is true turkey, that they are real okay. turkey legs. That is yes. all that matters. There's about a, a million Disneyania fans, of course, that the turkey legs have their own little sub-fandom, and they're right now, they're aghast, and like, they want your dad's autograph on yeah. a, tur on a, tr on a well, turkey leg. <laughs> it's so funny because I... I am obsessed with the royal family in, in you know, United Kingdom. It's just like Brett knows it's something that's just an odd obsession of mine. Uh, uh, but I, ha uh, I have no royal lineage. But I will proudly proclaim, I've, I've, or I've self-proclaimed, the title of Princess Turkey Leg. So, <laughs> I'll, I'll, you know, I'll take it if anyone wants right. to give me uh, that royal you know that's what I'm Ashley. calling you from now on, right? If I ever introduce you at one of our shows, I am going to Her Majesty the Princess Turkey Lake herself. <laughs> Excellent. So, so I'll yeah, so, yeah, your dad, dad came here as a cast member and working in, in, yes. in the food and beverage. Yes. Yeah, so I grew up Disney. I literally grew up practically on Main Street, USA. All of my firsts were at Disney, like literally for cast members. There's so many wonderful things that they provide cast members. So I learned to swim thanks to, you know, on Disney property. I learned, you know, I met Santa Claus for the first time on Disney property. So, so many firsts. But 
I also fell in love with acting. And, you know, thanks to Disney, it provided so many opportunities. So I, I grew up, you know, getting to film little commercials or doing theater in Orlando, as you mentioned. Uh, you know, so many entertainment opportunities. And then eventually, I wanted to be a Disney cast member. It was my lifelong dream. So on my 16th birthday, they were actually having tryouts for entertainment for Disney. And I went and I got hired literally on my 16th birthday to be a Disney cast member. And so I was able to be in entertainment and eventually I was a cheerleader in the Hercules parade. And I actually just posted a throwback clip on my nice. Instagram page. So just at Ashley Eckstein, you can go see me as I was 17 years old in, in the Hercules. Now is this uh, an equity role or character department? Oh no, just character okay. department. Wasn't quite equity yet, but I, you know, thanks to Disney, it provided, and actually not just Disney, you know, Universal and SeaWorld as well. I mean, mm -hmm. growing up here in Orlando, you know, the theme park industry, you know, provides so many opportunities. And so I was able to start my career right here in Orlando. You know, I started with extra work yeah. where, you know, you're in the background, you're not guaranteed to be seen. Eventually worked my way up to featured extra work where you're guaranteed to be seen, but you're still in the background. Then I got like my first spoken line. Then I became a, a member of SAG-AFTRA, all thanks to, you know, the wonderful opportunity opportunities here in Orlando and, and definitely the Disney company. And if you awesome. haven't seen Ashley's Hercules parade that she posted on Instagram, I highly recommend watching it. So if you're in need of a new workout, I've taken to emulating her moves and it's really, <laughs> Ashley's really paying off. The toning is really happening. So thank Bless you. Bless my soul. Herc is on a roll. Person of the week in every Greek opinion poll. Okay. That, that was great. Too long. Sorry about that. No, no, no worries. So while you were <laughs> while you were doing that, Brett, you were making a career at art and design. Uh, were you yeah, not? I was not dancing, unfortunately. I, I wish. Yeah, I was. Uh, where do I start? I had always wanted to be a, an artist. I always wanted to be a Disney animator specifically. And so from a very young age, I had my sights set on that career path. And because of that, I picked an art school very early on. And I, I knew that once I graduated high school, I'd go to art school. And I did, like you mentioned, Ringling College of Art and Design in Sarasota, Florida. So even though I'm the only one not in Florida currently, I do have a Florida past. I don't know if that's a good thing to say, to have a Florida past. Is that? Oh, sure it is. That? Okay. <laughs> we're, um, we, may, we may be men in Florida, but we're not Florida man. Okay, there you go. Uh, so, anyway, I went to art school and yeah, after a four-year program, I graduated with a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Illustration, landed a job at Hallmark Greeting Cards. And so my first career was designing and uh, drawing cute little bunnies and, and, and chickadees and whatnot for uh, Hallmark Greeting Cards. So, And oh, I, I, I really love talking about this too, because it, you, you have such... This is, this is an interesting panel we got going on here because we have Ashley who truly uh, went through the ranks and everything on else. And then you were the right person, the right time, the right moment, and the stars were right plucked into this. So talk a little bit about just a little bit on, on, on Hallmark, because mm -hmm. I, I do like hearing one of these stories. What was one of those? What was the probably the craziest one that you did help design? Oh, I, you're probably referring to the one and only time I was a hand model. Yeah. <laughs> um, that career was very short lived. And funny enough, I just saw that card this weekend, but I was on a special team working for on the red campaign, which is a, a charity group, uh, run by Bono and, and Bobby Shriver. And the card we had, it was targeted towards a little older audience or maybe not older, edgier, trendier audience, I guess is a polite way of saying mm -hmm. it. And uh, so this particular card ha featured me holding two glasses of wine. And the copy said, excuse me, would you care for a glass of click, uh, click red, 
Excuse me, take two. Excuse me, would you care for a glass of liquid clothes remover? <laughs> a lot of Hallmark uh, <laughs> consumers didn't like that. And so it was quickly pulled off the shelf. So, you know, my hand career, hand modeling career was short for two reasons. One, I only had one print campaign and two Hallmark women did not like that card. So do you still have a copy of that, of the physical card? Oh, I have several copies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I send it out as my Christmas card every year. <laughs> how, how did I not know this about you? Because that's not really like, a story that's great to share. I'm realizing now. <laughs> but, you know, but on a on a different note, you know, Ashley shared her her growing up Disney, and I think it's worth noting that I did as well in Southern California. I loved going to Disneyland. It was my favorite place to go, and I owe a lot of my creativity and even the desire to pursue art because of Disneyland. So I may not have been dancing in a parade, but I was walking around the parks absorbing every type of design tip and trick I could and one of the things that Ash and I bonded over very early on was our love of the Mickey Mouse Club from the 90s and both of us we discovered both of us had a dream of being in the Mickey Mouse Club Ashley got a whole lot closer than I did but I bring that up because <laughs> just this weekend I found I'm going to share it I showed it to Ashley already I found the clock that hung on my wall and it was like my prized possession. And it was uh, this 90s oh. Mickey Mouse Club clock. It's so beautiful. I, what I wanted was the Letterman jacket that they sold in the Disney Channel catalog. It was too much money, but my mom did let me buy the clock. So One day, um, Brett. One, one day, day we're going to get our jackets. It's okay. I will, I will stare at this. I realized I can't have it on in my recording studio because it would be too loud. So I just look at it. Absolutely nice. Absolutely nice. While you were doing that, Ashley, uh, you you were doing some TV work here and there. You were picking up some work. Uh, you know, you you are a canical Jan Brady of the Brady Bunch. From <laughs> 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 the Brady Bunch in the White House. I uh, made some, played a, a recurring character on That's So Raven, the character of Muffy. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, yes. Well, um, m most people know me for my voice acting as Ahsoka, but my, my career prior to Ahsoka was all uh, on camera uh, or in theater. So I, I grew up doing theater and then I moved to LA and it was actually my dream. Thanks to the Mickey Mouse Club. Brett and I really did have the same dream. It was my dream to be an actress on the Disney Channel. So I moved to LA solely focused not to win an Oscar or an Emmy or anything like that. I just wanted to be an actress on the Disney Channel. <laughs> and before I was able to join the cast of That's a Raven, I was cast as Jan Brady in the TV movie, The Brady Bunch Goes to the White House. No one saw it because <laughs> it was... <laughs> I did. <laughs> it was it was on Fox during Thanksgiving weekend, so uh, everyone was busy with their families. But it was a really funny movie. It was a follow up to the theatricals. So Shelley Long and Gary Cole were the parents. Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, two of the nicest people, two of the most talented people. But all of the kids had grown up, so they had to yeah. recast the kids. So I was Jan, and she said, "Marsha, Marsha, Marsha." <laughs> I haven't done Jan in a while. 
wow, that wasn't my best Jan impression. It but. was great. <laughs> so see now, now no one's ever going to ask you to do Azuka quotes again. It's all going to be do Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Yeah, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. That one was better. Anyways, yeah, that one was a little better. <laughs> I, I, I have to warm up. Uh, let's see. I used to be able to do all three Brady girls. Let's see. What, what was it? Cindy said, these pancakes are great, Alice. And then Marsha said, Jan, why aren't you eating your breakfast? Uh, I'm trying to save my figure for my new boyfriend. <laughs> I can't watch you, Brett. And then, and then uh, Marsha goes, hmm, that's funny, Jan. I've never heard of a boy. Wait, I didn't know you had a boyfriend. Yeah, his name is George. George Glass. George Glass. So that's my impression. So you could good. do an entire one-man show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, now that I've officially embarrassed myself. But from the Brady Bunch, thankfully, it kind of got me into comedy a bit more. And then I was yeah. able to join the cast of That's a Raven as a recurring character. Her name was Muffy and was able to make my dream come true of, of being on the Disney Channel. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then, of course, I'll, actually, I'll go to, I'll go to Brett with Mickey. Then we'll, we'll get to Star Wars. So, Brett. Okay. Yes. How did you land that role? I landed the role of Mickey. It's it's a weird way of saying it. I was I was offered that role through a process that I became aware of in uh, early 2009. So, a friend of mine works at Pixar. She's an animator, and we went to to college together. A lot of us were annual pass holders back then, so we would make the two hour trek from Sarasota up to Orlando and go to the parks for the weekend. And when you're there, as many people often do, I would do a Mickey voice because it was something I had started doing as a kid just because I admired the character and the story of, of Walt and the legacy. So we'd be at Disneyland and, or Disney World and I'd throw in a, oh boy, and everyone would laugh and they'd say how great that was. Well, fast forward, I'm working at Hallmark, my friend's working at Pixar, an internal email goes around to all the Walt Disney Company employees our cast members rather, and it outlined an audition process uh, looking for an understudy for the voice of Mickey Mouse. At the time, Wayne Allwine was the voice. He had been doing it for 32 years up till then, starting in 1977. And he, it was just becoming harder for him to sustain the falsetto. And so they decided they would look for somebody that he could train to eventually take over. So I, you know, being a huge Disney fan, was not going to miss the chance to at least audition because I thought that would be a really cool story to tell someday. And practiced for a little bit, probably not long enough, submitted my audition over the mm -hmm. phone, uh, was offered a callback. So I flew myself out to L.A., first time in a sound booth, um, got in front of the microphone, did my audition, and then it was a waiting game. I didn't know what was going on. The process wasn't really moving along that quickly. And then, unfortunately, during that time is when we all learned Wayne Alwyn had passed away. So it went from being an understudy position to a recasting. And at that point, they decided they wanted to fly me out and start testing me on some projects without officially offering me the gig. So I did that. I was flying from Kansas City out to, to LA, to Burbank specifically, and worked on a few projects. And I believe it was after the second project, they sat me down and said, look, we we're really happy with everything you've done. And we would love for you to be the guy. It will require you relocating. You got to move to LA, which was home for me. So not a big deal, but also a very big deal to, to leave your career um, having never experienced acting before, I didn't know what was in store. I, I was had a salaried job. I had benefits. I owned a home. And so I had to give all that up moving to L.A. just knowing that the legacy of Mickey was so important to me. I, I did not want to miss the chance to be a part of that and, and, and help 
further it along for future generations. So that's that's how I landed it in a very odd way. And I've I've learned so much about acting in the industry since then that I am, I'm almost glad I didn't know before auditioning. What was it like to have to tell your uh, your friends and peers at Hallmark? I'm sorry, guys, I've got a new job. Um, <laughs> were you allowed to say what it was or yeah. even um, in confidence? Uh, no, absolutely. I, I could share it with my friends and my family. And of course I did. I waited a little bit because it really was... I was commuting essentially back and forth for projects and trying to sell my house and and trying to make that move. You know, I'm not a cast member. As we all know, you're an actor, you're contracted talent Mm -hmm. for for gigs. So it was really up to me to move myself. And that took some time and some planning, but I did let all my friends know. And, you know, there was excitement, there was sadness. I had a great group of friends out in Kansas City. I waited the longest to tell my boss. And when I eventually did, it was right after my fifth anniversary party at Hallmark that was themed to Mickey because they knew I was a huge Disney fan. So they had all the Mickey plates out, all the Mickey decorations. And I walked in the room and I thought, oh, no, they know. They know. (laughs) Nope. They just knew that I was a fan and thought it'd be appropriate. So it was shortly after that party that I walked into my boss's office and I said, I have something to tell you. I'm taking this job. This is what it is. And I did half expect him to say, no, no, please don't go. We need you. But he was just kind of like, okay, cool. Sounds like sounds like a good thing to do. Um, yeah, did anybody so, did anybody not believe you? They were like, "No, wait, so you're working for Disney?" Um, wait, wait, what? Are you, you're not the voice of Mickey Mouse. Come on, yeah. You know what? I that's a good question. I don't think I ever encountered that. I don't think anyone okay. didn't believe me. For the most part, everyone was excited. They threw a going away party, and being that Hallmark was a creative company, everyone made their own mouse ears, and yeah, it was. So really, you got two parties. It was a really. I did. That's how you do it. Have an anniversary party and then a going away party, right? A retirement party, essentially, right? You know, right at the same time and quite the cake. Outstanding, outstanding. So, Ashley, when did this role uh, become a blip in your radar? Oh goodness. Well, I became. Uh, let's see. When I first moved to LA, uh, as I mentioned, I was you know primarily doing on camera, and I had no experience in voiceover. But I grew up just obsessed with the Disney princesses. And, you know, I so badly wanted to try to be one, like, you know, try to be the voice of one. And so I begged my agent uh, to just start sending me out on voiceover auditions. And thankfully, I, you know, had a really young sounding voice and I was over 18. So that was a huge benefit to me when I first moved to California. I was I was 19, but I legitimately looked and sounded 14 years old. So it, it, it helped. So thankfully they started sending me out on voiceover auditions, but I, it, I was not successful at first. Um, I actually auditioned for like four years, which I estimate about 400 auditions with nothing. Like, you know, I got a, a commercial here or there. I actually did book two lead roles on a series and I got recast both times. I mean, it was literally devastating. And yeah, so um, I was definitely, I was a bit worn down by the time the audition for Ahsoka came. And, you know, I've shared this story before. I I almost left the audition because they asked me to audition for Padme. And I, I sounded nothing like her. And I knew I sounded nothing like her and they were running an hour late and it was at the end of a long day. And I'm usually a very positive person, but I walked out of the audition and I called my agent and I said, look, you know, they're running an hour late. I've been practicing all night. I sound nothing like Padme. I'm just going to go. 
And he stopped me and he said, no, he said, I want you to go back in there because you never know what could happen. And I am so thankful to my agent because the role of Ahsoka was so top secret that they weren't even advertising for it. They were having everyone read for Padme. And so I went in and sure enough, I, I read the first line as Padme and they stopped me and they said, you know, no, you sound too young for Padme. They said, but there's this new character. She's a 14 year old girl and she's super top secret. We think you could be right for her. And so I auditioned for Ahsoka and, and ended up getting the role. And it was so top secret. I didn't even know who I was auditioning for right. until after I got the part. So I found out who I was playing on my first day of work. And then they said, okay, here's who you're playing, which my mind was like blown. And then they said, okay, you have to keep this a secret for two years and you can't tell Mm -hmm. anyone. Uh, (laughs) It was a long time, but um, it was, you know, it's been, it's being the voice of Ahsoka Tano has changed my life. Here we are 14 years later. Well, the character, character, it was an interesting time at Lucasfilm because you had, that was before the changeover to Disney. Yes. So George was still very involved at his top level. So at some point he had to hear you and he had to personally approve you. He did. He did. So what most people don't realize is how involved George Lucas was in the making of the Clone Wars. He was very involved. I mean, he was, I didn't work with him day in and day out because he worked up in San Francisco and we recorded the episodes in LA, Mm -hmm. but I did get to meet him several times. You know, we would do press events up in San Francisco. So whenever we would go up there, you know, oftentimes I would get to meet him, but he was always sending notes. And so I oftentimes joked, he was like Charlie from Charlie's Angels, because we would get notes and say, well, George wants you to read it this way or that way. And I always thought that was so cool. I'm like, I'm like, I'm working with George Lucas, even though, you know, he's not here in the room, like he knows what I sound like. But yeah, he did have to approve it. And I will say, thank goodness, it was actually Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni liked the sound of my voice. And uh, you know, he liked kind of my own personality and my my kind of wit. He felt that my own kind of personal personality, like how I acted just as myself, was how what he wanted for Ahsoka. And so apparently he was really pushing for me when he took the voices into George. Well, uh, obviously. And of course, his personal investiture in that series is, uh, you know, you know, it's Saint Filoni, you know, as he as he is known among the Star Wars fandom. And he was certainly very invested in your characters. So and you guys have created a masterfully artistic evolution and a partnership in Clone Wars. And and thank you for that. Really. Oh really. You you did the Clone Wars as de- as it bridged this gap in this crazy series. And of course, everybody was all like, what do you mean Anakin has a Padawan? What yeah. is this going to show? And it's really fascinating too, because the, the it truly has a fantastic character arc. And Thank I'm you. so, and it's, and it's so wonderful to see you be able to return to the character. And again, this, the final story is not told and I never want it to be. Oh, well, thank you. Well, I I can give a tease. I will tell you, we're only halfway through the Siege of Mandalore arc. So we've the first two episodes are already on Disney Plus and the whole first part of the season. We just have two more episodes left in the final season of The Clone Wars. And 
Every single episode in the Siege of Mandalore arc is equally as epic. The first two episodes were mind-blowing, but just wait. The the next two episodes are just incredible. You're going to be like jumping up and down and yelling at your screen. <laughs> and this is a this will be a curious thing between the uh, a difference between both of you uh, when you first got thrown into these roles. Ashley, your most of your work was was narrative based, and you were going on in, you were reading a script, it was done and done. Brett, you came on in and you were doing mostly the pickup work on the video games, which is a very different animal from narrative-based uh, uh, voice animation. Yeah, I the video games came in eventually, but actually I was first doing a lot of Disney on Ice live shows as well. Okay. I started with some theme park live shows. So there's still some narrative elements to it. And then of course the video games, but yeah, it was really uh, live shows, video games and toys to begin with. It wasn't until Mickey Mouse Clubhouse's fourth season, which I think was about a year into my career, until I really started hitting that that narrative mark with the character. Yeah, because it's uh, I, I, people often say, "Well, where we do panels on voice acting," and people always say, "Oh, what's this way?" And I always try to to let the actors reveal. Well, yo, sometimes you can go on in, you read a script, read a story, it's one and done. And Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. Often it says it best. It was like an uh, an episode of Batman would take me two days and four hours a session each day. The first Arkham game took me nine months, five days a week, four hour sessions. Oh yeah, yeah. Video <laughs> games are a different beast, and and working on the Kingdom Hearts games, I, I learned that especially because it's already done in Japanese and animated to Japanese, and then uh, we're coming in and we're replacing that dialogue, which is you know a, a really fun challenge to try and make English fit in the span of a Japanese line. <laughs> doesn't always work out to be the most eloquent but you know you can talk as slow as possible and and then the other games like epic mickey you know it's it's yeah there, it's there's a lot you know you don't think about every time you press that control button and and the character jumps or makes a reaction or falls or or what's the nice way of saying dies i don't think mickey ever dies in a game he uh regenerates i don't know um you know he, he gets up brushes himself off and tries yeah again. he, br he, brushes he it never off. he never gives up he never gives up so it, there's a lot of little noises that you got to make so yeah it, it, it can be a very time-consuming process yeah the voice of mickey mouse you already knew the the gravity and the importance of the character ashley for for tano when when did you realize that how how the character had been received? When were you really sort of realizing, oh wow, this character is really getting a fandom of her own, and people are really gravitating towards her? She's a, she's become a standout even among the Star Wars canon. Well, you know, I want to thank all the fans that have been with Ahsoka from the beginning because. Ahsoka did have a lot of haters in the beginning, but she had a lot of people that supported her from the beginning. And I really, really appreciate that. And, you know, to the people that, you know, to her haters in the beginning, I just ask them for patience because I was always a season ahead from what the fans were seeing. Yeah. So I would always say like, look, I, I, I hear you, I, but I know where this character is headed and trust me, you're, you're really going to like her. Like I just ask fans to go on this journey with her. And um, thankfully they did. But I would say it wasn't until the end of season five of Clone Wars, where Ahsoka walked away from the Jedi Order when she kind of just exploded onto the scene. I think 
you know, Disney had just bought Star Wars and, you know, um, Clone Wars shortly thereafter appeared on Netflix. So it got a whole new mm-hmm. audience and, you know, the, the series ended on a cliffhanger and, you know, everyone just became so invested in Ahsoka. And I think the biggest thing is, and, and truly the difference with Ahsoka is, and this is why I take being this character so seriously, is Ahsoka means hope to so many people. But they, so many people, you know, she's just an alien with orange skin and head tails. And, you know, we, we even stopped pointing out her gender. And so everyone can relate to Ahsoka. You know, she's not, uh, you know, she's not a race that we know. She's, you know, she's, uh, it's like we can all identify with her. And when Ahsoka walked away from the Jedi Order in season five, so many people related to her. And this is not an exaggeration when I say I get multiple messages a day about how Ahsoka has either changed people's life or saved people's life. And it's just been incredible. And it's it's an honor to be, you know, the, the voice of Ahsoka and to have been associated with her so, for so long. And I take it very seriously because I see how much she means to everyone, but she also means that much to me. You know, she's changed my life for the better. I've literally dedicated the past 14 years of my life to her because she means that much to me. So I've kind of gone off tangent. I forget your original question. But but yeah. yeah you, I mean, you answered it. Trust me. You you absolutely did. You absolutely did. You both you both you both taken these roles and you have honored them tremendously. And that's a credit to both of you as performers. It really has. And and you and again, you guys have have, have Taking these an already established icon and a future icon of, of the Star Wars canon, and you've honored them both. And there's so much fan love out there. And speaking of that, since we can't be with our fans lively in person, uh, and we are part of the show is to try to talk a little bit about uh, convention culture and stuff. I want to ask both of you: Have I did either of you go to a convention before you became uh, professionals in fandom? Ooh, good question, Ashley. <laughs> I did. I did. I, I, my first convention was right after I was cast as Ahsoka Tano. I went to San Diego Comic-Con. So I think I, it was 2007 and it was really cool because I was able to just walk into Hall H which doesn't happen anymore, even though it was packed. I mean, it was a packed house, but I was able to walk in and I watched the Star Wars panel and they announced the Clone Wars and they shared this new poster where they had Anakin Skywalker, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then behind them was this shadow figure and it was Ahsoka Tano. And I was sitting there in the audience when they revealed this poster and the crowd just went wild. And I remember the person next to me was just jumping up and down and cheering. And like he said to me, he's like, that's so cool. That's so cool. I wonder who that is. And I was like, yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) And it was, it was really cool to, to just, watch it unfold before anyone knew anything. So it was a really cool convention experience. That's awesome. That's awesome. I had never been to uh, 
a comic con. Mm -hmm. I had been to toy cons before. Uh, I was a huge mm -hmm. toy collector as a kid, specifically Star Wars toys were my thing. So my brother and I would would hunt down all the toy cons and we'd go and, and find all of the, the figures. I had been to a Disney con, the, the D23 Expo okay. yeah. back in 2009, which was right months after I was offered the gig and right after I'd started. Um, and similar to Ashley, nobody knew who I was. I was to this day, a lot of people don't know who I am, but um, <laughs> it was fun just to walk around and get my picture with Mickey and just kind of play along um, and just be a guest of that expo. Because now, um, as Ashley knows, when we go, we are we are working and we are are, are busy, busy, busy. So I went to I went to D23 last year and I will tell you, I saw Brett for maybe 20 seconds when he was not on stage. <laughs> working man for that company I, no exaggeration i walked next to him for about 20 seconds said hi and he was off from one signing to the next then to the stage it was it was insane you found me on a break then if i had 20 seconds to give you that's great <laughs> right. I think from one signing to another so yeah. more, more time than i gave my mom that weekend shout out <laughs> shout out to the underscore disney underscore mimi I know. Well, and actually, Brett, your mom was trolling you a little bit on this chat. I've been reading everyone's what? comments. Oh, no. And your mom has a copy of the card where you are a hand model. So, Fiona, I oh. want to see that at some point. Yeah, she does. I think we all do. Yeah, Erica just asked a really good question. I'd like to know what everybody's favorite Disney movie is. Ooh. Ooh my. It's oh, a, she's asking for her son, Brett, age seven. Oh, my, my son, Brett, age seven. Oh, okay. Well, if he spells his, his name with one T, then points for that. But it's it's really hard for me to, to pick a favorite when it comes to anything, especially Disney. But I would have to say probably Aladdin because I was a kid of the Renaissance of animation, starting with Mermaid. But for whatever reason, Aladdin really resonated with me and I was obsessed with it. I bought all the merchandise I could. I would come home from school every day, turn on the soundtrack and draw the characters. So... Because of those memories, I, I think I'd have to say Aladdin. I would probably have to say Alice in Wonderland. I am a huge Alice in Wonderland fan. I, my two great loves in life are Disney and Star Wars. But of all things, like Alice in Wonderland even tops that. So I'm a big fan. No room, no room. <laughs> Along the same line, so I was, again, I was at Destination D, the D23 of 2018 where actually you got to share a stage with Brett and Bill Farmer as they did a duet of On the Open Road from a Goofy movie. So It was uh, really cool. Right? Like, well, were you getting goosebumps sitting there next to them while they were singing? Oh, I was totally geeking out. Uh, that was actually, okay. So <laughs> we, we have like a time period where... I, I tell Brett, I joke, I'm like, that was before we were friends. Yeah. And, you know, there was a period of time where I, like, I was just such, like, I would fangirl over him because he's a voice of Mickey Mouse. I mean, I still fangirl over him. But, like, I, I you know, was scared, not scared to talk to him, but I was like, that's the voice of Mickey Mouse. Like, so does, does he want to be my friend? And so the, at Destination D, up on stage, I was just in awe, you know, because I, I, I'm just, oh, oh, I'm just such a fan of all things Disney. And I, I respect and honor 
you know, just everything about it. And so, yeah, I, but I did leave them hanging. I didn't join in the song because I, yeah, she didn't know the words, even though, the, even though the words were on the screen, she left us hanging. And that's ridiculous that you felt that way because I felt the same. This is why we're friends because I was like, oh, she's, she's too cool for me. She doesn't, she doesn't care about Mickey. I, I'm not impressive enough to her, but I'm going to, I'm going to ask for a picture. And then I knew I knew we were going to be friends when we during that event had to go on and do an intro for something dressed in our I think we were in our 70s Mickey yeah. Mouse club attire and we both went brain dead regardless of the teleprompter and we it was bleh. Um, I have just, that picture of you, but I'm gonna send it to you. I have a picture of you just looking down at the teleprompter, like, "What am I supposed to do?" Oh, great. Okay, <laughs> I may have been looking at my bell bottoms, thinking, "What was I thinking?" I don't know. So, I yeah, in bell bottoms, you got to uh, do the the roller the roller disco with Mickey and Minnie, both of you. Oh yeah, that's when we really became friends. Remember, Ashley? Yes. Yes, that was that was the yeah that was the date it happened. That was the official. That's our anniversary. Wow, <laughs> our friend anniversary. It is our friend anniversary. We'll, we'll, we'll label it as such. <laughs> so the power of roller boogie brought you together. Yes, Ab absolutely. What that what, is fantastic. Disco fantastic. always brings people together. Actually, <laughs> I mean, I think Brett, we should do our show, Voice Your Dreams. We should just come on stage and, and roller skates. In roller skates, I love yeah. it. Yeah. We need a disco ball too. Yeah. Nary, uh, could you get on that? I we, saw him. We, that. We, yeah, talk to Nary. Nary will talk to our people. We will yeah, make this happen. No. We will. Sorry, make that we're taking over your show. Sorry, you have Sorry. questions for us. This, no, this is your show. This is absolutely your show. One thing I, I, I would like to ask is, what's been, if you can name one, it, has there been a moment where you you've met your fans at the conventions that's really resonated with you that that still lingers even to this time? Uh, for me, yes. Uh, so it's. It's a blessing and a curse. I, I have a photographic memory with faces. So once I've met you, I'll, I'll never forget you. And, and so when fans come up, you know, multiple times over the years, I do remember everyone. I, I may not, re I'm not, I don't, I don't have the gift with names and I don't necessarily remember where we've met, but I will remember that we've met and I, everyone shares their stories with me and, and they, I, if I could, if I could like really like genuinely say one thing, I never forget everyone's stories and they stick with me. And so, you know, one time, this is just one story out of many. I was at D23 at the D23 Expo and I was just about to leave. I was done for the day. And luckily I hadn't left yet. And a friend of mine called my cell phone and he was like, Ashley, are you still here? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, can you please come to the food court right now? And, you know, he sounded so serious and I walked over and there was this guy and he was just crying and I walked up and I didn't know what I was walking into and he saw me and it was, he was surprised. My friend didn't tell him I was coming over and he just sobbing, just like gave me the biggest bear hug. And I just stood there and hugged him, like literally hugged him for probably two to three minutes because I could tell he needed that at that moment. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was happy that I could just provide that. And, and then we, you know, he shared with me, basically Ahsoka saved his life. And he was in a very, very dark situation that he didn't know how to get out of. And when Ahsoka walked away from the Jedi Order, it gave him the hope. If Ahsoka could walk away and start over, he could too. And... And so he got a, a tattoo of Ahsoka and he just wanted to 
share his story. And it was, it was fresh. Like he had just left his situation and he, he just wanted to share his story and say, thank you. Cause Ahsoka saved my life. Well, fast forward about a year and a half later, I was on a book tour and I was in Arizona and I, I walked, you know, up and the, the very first person that came up to get his book signed was this guy. And forgive me, I don't remember his name, but I can see his face. And he was smiling and he was so happy. And he just, he showed up to my book signing just to tell me how great he was doing. And he had carved me some of Ahsoka's lightsabers. And, you know, I, I still keep them. I keep them at home on display. And, you know, those, those stories, and I have thousands of them, they mean so much to me and I never forget them. Cool. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. It, 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 it's, it's hard, it's hard to, to recount, recount all of them, like Ashley said. said. Um, you, you, the blessing of these characters is that they do have such an effect, a profound effect on people. And it's, we can say that because they have an effect on us in a similar way. And I've had so many interactions where, similar to Ashley, people have brought me drawings they've done or a painting or they've shared their stories of how Mickey's helped them through a tough time or how Mickey just, you know, lifts them up when they need it or just how they bond with somebody over their love of, you know, shared love of Mickey. And, and that's so great to, to hear. I still have a hard time processing it because to me, I feel like I'm the lucky one that gets to play a part of Mickey's legacy. And like Ashley said about Ahsoka, it, it's, I feel honored to be, to be doing it. So when someone comes and thanks me for my part in it, I, I feel unworthy of that because I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm this much of Mickey. He's, he's a, a big presence. I do remember specifically working on a project where Mickey got to talk to people in person. And we had a lot of amazing interactions during that process. People who were sharing their health battles or, you know, positive stuff too. It doesn't always have to be a yeah. sad thing. But um, I do remember this one kid who came in and talked to Mickey and he was a little shy at first. And, but once Mickey started talking to him, he just, he opened up, his face lit up and, and he sang the hot dog song with Mickey and he was excited to be there. And he was telling Mickey about his favorite toys and what he'd done at Disneyland that day. And it wasn't until after that interaction that we learned because the mom came back to thank the cast members and said, I got to say, thank you so much for that interaction. My son is autistic and he doesn't talk and he's never talked. But today when he met Mickey, he opened up and he talked and I, and she said like, it was unbelievable to her. And you know, like I get goosebumps thinking about it, recounting it, because that's the power of these characters and the power <laughs> of Mickey is that, you know, there's all kinds of craziness in the world and we all we all seek to belong and we all seek a little consistency in our lives. And these characters can give that to you. And I think, you know, it's it's nice, especially now to be reminded that there are things that we can all agree on and that we all share in common. And what better way to remember that than through characters that exhibit such goodwill absolutely well done very well done uh i do have to run on that note on my banana bread all also. right well, okay while you go get the banana bread show right us back. off ashley you've also dabbled you dabbled in marvel animation you did some dis voices for avengers assemble and then you went over and did some voices for the distinguished competition uh dc in the form of cheetah and uh, catwoman tell us a little about that Yes. Yes. So it's, it's been such a dream come true to get to play in the different universes. And I've 
with Marvel, I've gotten to be the voice of of Dagger from Cloak and Dagger. Mm-hmm. And oh gosh, I don't even remember all the characters in Avengers Assemble. But I got recently, I got the, to play the Queen of Atlantis. Yes, Alana, the oh, daughter of yeah. uh, Tuma, the the barbarian. Uh, it's always trying to take over Atlantis. Yes. But in this case, he Alana. succeeded. Yes, yes, and she was like awesome. She was like a almost like a Cersei Lannister character had a lot of fun with her. And then to play Cheetah in DC superhero girls, I am so passionate about, you know, the children's programming, especially. And it's, it's just been an honor to, to get to play all of these different, you know, heroes or villains and you get to change your voice and you get to play characters that you normally wouldn't get to play in live action. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. Excellent. Brett, do you have banana bread for us? I do not because it's not done yet. It's still, oh, still a little moist in the center, so we're gonna leave it in there for just a bit longer. Stay okay, tuned. all right. Great right. banana bake of 2020. <laughs> oh, indeed, indeed. So, Ashley, uh, when did you have find time in all this to start up an apparel uh, line? <laughs> oh goodness! Uh, and Milo, I noticed. Is that uh, an are you? So, so I put it. So I was like, oh, I'll, I'll just grab a shirt. And then but as I was putting it on, I saw the logo and the tag and I was like, I mean, I can't not wear it now. Suck up. <laughs> I, I, I noticed it. As right the guy who was wearing her character. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. But, you know, I, oh goodness. I, I guess you could say I hoped that her universe would turn into what it is today, but I never imagined it. You know, it started with a simple search for a t-shirt made for me. You know, I wanted a Star Wars t-shirt made for women and it didn't exist. And, you know, I was told to be happy with a men's size small because women wouldn't buy Star Wars merchandise made for them. And I, you know, I started doing my research because I knew that that just wasn't true. And I found out that almost half of all sci-fi and fantasy fans are women and girls, and that 85% of all consumer purchases are made by women. And so this was back in 2009. And I thought, okay, these numbers aren't adding up. If you make us stuff, we'll buy it. But more importantly than even, you know, the numbers, I read story after story of women and girls being bullied and being bullied terribly for just being a fangirl and liking Star Wars. And, you know, oftentimes women would pretend to be men on message boards just so that they could have a conversation about Star Wars and be taken seriously. And so I... I had the idea to start her universe. I knew nothing about making merchandise. I knew nothing about licensing, but I asked myself, what would Ahsoka do? And my answer was that Ahsoka would stand up for fangirls. And Ahsoka would say that this world that we love is not just for men and boys. It's not just for women and girls. It's for everyone. And it's our universe, hence our now sub-brand for, for men and boys as well. So yeah, it's, it's kind of evolved over the years, but it started with a simple search for a t-shirt. Fancy that, fancy that. Well, again, well, very well done. Obviously, Milo there is <laughs> rocking it out. Yeah, I'm, Thank I'm not you, trying Milo. To or am I? <laughs> uh, we have a few minutes left. What I would like to uh, do is, uh, do you guys have anything on the horizon, any future projects that you're allowed to share with us? Ooh, well, you know, we've got a few shows in development right now for Mickey that I, I really can't talk about. Uh, Mickey's Mixed Up Adventure continues to debut on Disney Channel and Disney Junior, so keep an eye out for that. We've got a couple other things in the works. 
I can't talk about my art side of things, though, because a lot of people know that I do Disney fine art. And I have a, a silkscreen print series currently being released by Cyclops Printworks. And my latest one, Celebrating Sequoia National Forest, actually drops on Thursday. So Ooh. check out their website if you'd like to see that. I think it's a limited edition of 200. The previous edition was 150. It sold out pretty quickly. Not to, not to brag. Uh, not, not bragging at all, but there's 200 this time. So there should be a, a little a better chance of you grabbing one if you're interested in that. So yeah, exciting art stuff on the horizon. Your, uh, ear hats coming out soon. Oh yeah, uh, my ear hats. Yeah, we're, I get a lot of questions about that. Ashley and I finally saw them for the first time at a, an event we were doing in Florida right before the world press pause. And I'm super excited about them, but we do not know of the date just yet because things are kind of, backlog now and and there's a few other designs to debut before it was scheduled for summer of this year but i think that's gonna be pushed so stay tuned but if you follow me on instagram i'll be sure to to give a shout out if ashley doesn't beat me to it because she's my hype <laughs> friend so i i'm gonna make a t-shirt that says brett iwin hype friend uh i love being his hype friend and his ears are amazing they're way cooler than mine no, um, that's not true. That's not true. <laughs> yes, no. but his has light and sound. Mine do not have light and sound. But speaking of ears, there's a very special day in the Star Wars universe that's coming up next week. May the 4th be with you. Keep your eyes peeled on Shop Disney because uh, there may or may not be some ears dropping on that day. May or may not involve Ahsoka Tano and maybe some droids. So stay tuned and keep your eyes peeled on May 4th, Shop Disney. But we also just launched a brand new Clone Wars collection on HerUniverse.com for men and women. So this is one of the shirts, our new Tano shirt. But since we're in quarantine all afternoon, uh, I made my husband be our male model because we're not having photo shoots right now. So we went around and did a photo shoot, uh, me and my husband in our neighborhood in the new collection. So stay tuned for those. I just released a new children's book. It's a little golden book. It's a part mm. of the I Am series for Star Wars. It's called yeah. I Am a Padawan, and it's about Ahsoka. And I'm a huge little golden book fan. I grew up on them. So that's been like, you know, a dream come true, truly. And it's available. You can get it on Amazon or wherever books are sold, Barnes & Noble. So check out I Am a Padawan. And then nothing I can, uh, you know, share at the moment. But I will say that I've been working very close with, with Disney. And a shout out to a friend of ours that we mentioned at the very beginning of this chat, you know, Kathy Bakerwood is a very good friend. And I was talking with her about this, but I, mental health is a, a, a huge passion of mine, you know, just breaking the stigma surrounding mental health. Yeah. And, you know, our mental health is just as important as our physical health, especially during times like these. And so I've been working on uh, some projects specifically surrounding mental health. So stay tuned involves Disney and Star Wars, and I can't wait to share it with everyone. Hey, Ashley, if David gets tired of the modeling, you can ship those our way, and Bo and I would be happy to to model some of the new stuff. I think I might take you up on that. Okay. Just, yeah. just <laughs> Ashley, what is going to be... Sorry, Patty. I just have a real quick question. Uh, seeing we are in quarantine, and, and who knows when it's going to open up, but when it does open up, Ashley, you in Orlando, Brett, you in Los Angeles. What's going to be the first ride you hit up when the parks reopen? Well, I think it's I'm going to fly to visit Ashley and she's going to take me on the Slinky Dog ride because I've never been and it's her favorite. And we just discovered this last week when chatting. So, yes. Ashley, would you like to go on the Slinky Dog ride with me? 
I would love to go on Slinky Dog Aww. with you, Brett. That's, that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> so um, that that is actually, uh, you know, most people would expect me to say Star Wars, and yes, the Star Wars rides are incredible. Rise of the Resistance is mind blowing, but I just love. A slinky Dog Dash. I just love it. And so we will be riding on that as soon as That's the park's open. Perfect. And then um, we're going to follow it with a Mickey Donut. Mickey Donut and then Kakigori Snow Cone yes, in Japan. Yes, of course. You always have to end with the Kakigori. Yep. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Dole Whip guy myself. Well, Ooh. we'll still like you. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> my, my, my go-to snack they don't make anymore in the 90s uh, in front, the little egg cart, egg roll carts. They used to do cheese dog egg rolls. Ooh. Yeah, they don't make any more, but oh, that was that what? was my yes. They would take a hot dog, they wrap it in cheese, they would wrap it in egg roll noodles, and they would deep fry it. And I think the cart is still that still is just just egg rolls. But a friend of mine worked at guest relations. I asked him where'd they go. I said, Oh, they got cold too fast. And so ah. they're one of those, one of those again, one of those many minor Disney menu items that you know. Just lo lost in the vortices. I'm, I'm sure somebody has a DIY recipe <laughs> somewhere on the internet. So I'm I'm sure it after, is out there. After I pull this banana bread out of the, out of the oven, I will um, investigate <laughs> making those. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh I, I have to say, I've, I've been loving everyone's comments on the side. So thank you, everyone, for your kind comments. But it's, it looks like it's Oren's seventh birthday tomorrow. So I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. But Oren, I want to say happy birthday. And I think, I don't know, Brett, maybe Oren needs a, a, so a shout out from Mickey. I just now saw this tab to look at the comments. I didn't know that was there this whole time. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Uh, but of course... Oren, happy birthday, pal. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Oren. Happy birthday to you. Yay! Happy birthday, Oren. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us on watching this. Uh, once again, this is Ashley Eckstein and Brett Iwin. They are available on their social media platforms. We look so forward to seeing you again live on our stages. We look forward to your future work. Thank you for sharing this time with us. Ashley and Brett, again, thank you so much. Milo, thank you much, very much, brother. And GalaxyCon, thank you for tuning in. We will see you next time. Be well, be safe, and we hope we've been able to make you a memory and make you a little happier. Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone.